Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. How you all doing today? And today I have a wonderful, wonderful guest. His name is Mr. John David Miller. And he's an author of a very, I don't want to, <laughs> interesting is like an understatement um, of, of the events that unfold in the book that he wrote. It's called The Siebold Effect. Um, and basically part of it is that uh, this was a series of, in other words, it's based on a true story. This is what happened to him. And uh, it's like, it's so encompassing as far as, as a matter of fact, we were talking about it before we even started rolling, how sometimes um, things happen to you at certain moments in your life and you really don't have any idea how significant they turn out to be till later on. And then when you look back, you realize that there's a pattern or um, kind of what they call predestination or manifold destiny that is woven in through the fabric of our lives. Some, I think there's ultimately, we always have free choice, but you see, especially if you make the right choices where it takes you. So how are you doing today, Dave? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. It's my pleasure, absolutely my pleasure. And um, I'm going to ask you what I ask all my guests. I mean, obviously, your book is about the supernatural and these uh, events that transpired. But when was it that you had your first encounter with the paranormal or the supernatural? Was it as a child, as an adult? Did you know what it was when it happened? Um, at the time that it happened, I knew something special was going on, but um, not until I was writing the book did it all come clear to me what it meant. And it happened in my childhood. Okay. Um, and uh, to start off, my, both my grandparents on both sides, the, my mother's parents and my father's parents, lived across the street from each other in a little town called Greenville, West Virginia. Okay. And uh, I used to spend every summer up there. Uh, and what I would, uh, surrounding Greenville was the Saltpeter Cave System, which is about a five-mile cave system completely surrounding the, the little town. And I used to play in those caves every single day. And me and my brother would play. We'd play uh, Army and Flashlight War and Hide and Seek, and we'd do this in the caves. And one day I was going to a place that they called it the Devil's uh, writing table. Oh boy! <laughs> and it was it, it was a, a long tunnel, a uh, long round tunnel that you went down. And uh, the further you went down, the smaller the tunnel got. And it came it came to a point where you had to crawl on your knees. Oh my god! And, <laughs> and uh, of course, this was fun for us at the time. It was, I was going to say, did a, your mother know what you were doing? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm not sure that they knew what we were doing, but we would we would go in one entrance of the cave system and come out another one a mile or two okay. away. Uh, it was just an ma amazing place. And uh, when I was crawling down this tunnel, at the end of the tunnel, uh, or as what I could tell was the end of the tunnel, was a flat rock that crossed the center of the of the tunnel horizontal. So okay. in my mind at the time. All I could picture in my mind was a uh, circle with a horizontal line going down the center of it. And I knew that was really, really important. And as I look back on it, I think that was a, uh, a paranormal moment for me. Okay. And I, I explained this, what, the, what this is in the book and what it meant 
and it actually is, has a big part of what the book's all about. Okay, so in other words, these things were going on. You were a child, obviously, like you said, you're going in there, you're just having a good time. But still, there's a part in awareness of you, you know, which I want to say is ageless inside of all human beings, where even then you recognized there was some significance. You didn't know exactly what it was. Yes, but, and I had and I had I had chill bumps going up and down my spine okay. at the time, which I noted. And in the future, this would happen a number of times in my life, and I would recognize that as something supernatural going on. Right. This was your indicator like, that 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 you were in the presence and, of something like that. Okay. I, I felt that something was trying to contact me, and I didn't know why or who or what. Okay. So obviously, you have very deep roots in this place that you grew up in from both sides of the family. Yes. So fast forward, you, what you, you grew up and what, what happened? Did, did any, any, anything else happen while you were still a child or an adolescent? Well, I, I felt the whole time, even as I was growing up, that I always had this presence around me, something, you know, I, I, I thought of it as maybe a guardian angel of some sort. Cause okay. I, I had many, and I, I talk about this in the book, the many experiences where, um, that guardian angel came in to kind of uh, lift me out of a bad situation. Okay. And, and uh, I know, I, and I talk about this in the book many, many times all through my life. And I, and I ended up uh, traveling extensively um, all over the world. Mm -hmm. And many times did this, uh, this feeling come over me. Um, I even, even when I was 16 years old, I was okay. um, stabbed in Mexico. Oh my God. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know it's kind of hard to believe, but um, no, no. I, I mean, <laughs> okay. Well, see, it's, it's not. Hard, it's hard to believe, but it's not hard to believe because some. It's talk about being at the wrong place at the wrong time, and we're gonna stop a minute. And you're gonna tell me what happened. Okay, <laughs> not a problem. Um, was like, oh my god, he's really rounding me ragged. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, visiting a friend of mine. Uh, his parents lived in uh, Nogales, Arizona. Okay. And I was, and I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, okay. and so on. Uh, first time I ever flew on a plane, and uh, basically went out of the country was uh, it was uh, Cinco de Mayo, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, a Mexican Independence, and and I and I we we I flew to um, Nogales, Arizona, and we. Um, would could we're able to walk? It's uh, Nogales, Arizona, is a border town. The, the the border goes right down the middle of the town. One side's Mexico, one side's Arizona, and so we walked over to the to the uh, um, Mexican side. And I was 16 years old, and uh, we got in a conversation with uh, with a young kid, and I didn't really know we. Of course, I wasn't very wise at the time, so we started following him as he was trying to show us around. Okay. And as we were following him, he was starting to walk up some steps, and we followed him, and the steps were up the side of a cliff. And, and by the time we got up to the top of the cliff, we were surrounded by maybe 15 or 20 uh, people. Oh, my and God. And each one grab, would grab, grabbed a belt loop uh, around me and, and my friend Chuck. And oh. it's not much you can, not a lot you can do when oh, you're, uh, not. so basically you guys were ambushed. <laughs> yes. We were on the, on the cliff side, cliff with, with, uh, people grabbing our belt loops and they wanted to take our coats off, which I didn't, it was you know, in Mexico it, there, it gets very cold at night. So okay. I kind of resisted them taking my coat off 
and I thought the the, the person in front of me uh, uh, hit me in the stomach. Uh, didn't hurt one bit. <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah, sure the adrenaline. Yeah, the adrenaline at that point is. Like... It was pumping, and so it didn't really hurt at all. And so I kind of uh, shrugged it off. Mm-hmm. And at that point, they got a, uh, they got much friendlier. Uh, didn't know why. Didn't uh, they? They just they they. I think they ended up uh, go and um, they searched us and and um, but let me let let us keep our wallets and our IDs and we didn't have much money on us so they yeah. didn't get anything out of it and they and they finally let us go um, and we walked down the cliff and, and of course went home went back to uh, his 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 folks house on the Arizona side and went to bed. And of course, we didn't tell anybody all what happened. Like, yeah. And I w- woke up in the morning, and there was blood all over the sheets, and and I had a scar for a year. Apparently, they they did stab me with something. Well, <laughs> so maybe yeah, that's why they. Just, yeah, the adrenaline. I've heard of that. People getting seriously injured, but right at that moment, they're not even yeah, aware. It, it, exactly, and it really didn't hurt that much the next day, and I didn't I didn't feel like going to the doctor, but I did have a scar for a year or so. Uh, and of course, I wore that like a badge of courage to tell all my friends about it. You know, it. that's that's a boy thing. That's a man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I was kind of proud. Right. I, I, was, I was kind of proud of it at the moment, and uh, yeah. but it kind of solidified my my uh, love for adventure and travel. I mean, okay. that start that started right that moment. But I, I felt the whole time that I had a, a guardian angel looking over over me that day, okay. and or not whatsoever so and I, and I chalk it up to experience and of course it's in my book because it does have to do with the story but you know that that's that's scary because let's face it you whether you felt it or not somebody somebody in that group intended to kill you i hate that's to right. say it but yeah yeah and when i reacted the way i did uh-huh. they ch- their demeanor changed completely it was like what's up this guy's <laughs> what is that Exactly. Oh, and you know exactly. what? And I'm surprised though. You would have thought, yeah, your friend living there would have known better, but they're good. There yeah, you go. Well, well I, actually, he wasn't living there. His parents were. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Or his, fa- his father was. Excuse me. His father. Okay. He, he he lived in Richmond, Virginia, also. Oh, okay. Now I understand. But so I'm he was experiencing the adventure with town, me. It's like, yeah, don't go. Uh, don't take any tour tour. Uh, uh, don't use any of the tour guides. <laughs> I, did, I definitely uh, I drew a lesson from it and, and realized that you always have to be aware of your surroundings oh, yeah. at all times. And that was oh, a yeah. big lesson for me. That is, that's a very interesting but scary <laughs> story. What an eye-opener. That was a good life lesson. Thankfully, you lived through it. So, Absolutely. So, in a Absolutely. way, I guess it then prepared you for traveling around the world, right? That's right. And, in fact, it, it increased my desire to do that. And whenever I got a chance after that, I would, I would go as the most obscure, faraway places as, as I absolutely could. And I started scuba diving. Okay. And so, so I went uh, basically scuba diving around the world to, to, to the most obscure places you can imagine. I was, I was on an on uh, Egyptian boat in the Red Sea the day wow. the coal got bombed or, uh, right south of us. Um, I was in, I was I was in uh, um, the uh, was it uh, Sulawesi, Indonesia, a month after nine eleven. Oh my <laughs> so, god! But it just you know, but it was all fun. You know, probably was the best time in the world to be in. Into the the biggest Muslim country in the world is the month after nine eleven. Well, you know, I, I guess it's it's also one of those things that I mean, so many things developed after that, but it was it doesn't go it doesn't happen from one day to the next, if you know what I mean. 
Absolutely. Something that yeah. just evolves within the few months, especially after 9-11. But, and, yeah, um, yeah, in fact, I was going through the international airport at Miami the week after the shoe bomber came about. Wow. Came about. That's good so, timing. Very good timing. Yeah. Kept, Let me ask yeah. you something. Did you learn, which it sounds like you did, which was, I don't want to say, but it sounds almost like you learned how to melt in with your the people there. In other words, I, you didn't want to have the big tourist you know, written right. across yeah, your forehead. Yeah. You didn't want to be the tourista. A lot of people don't realize that that's, that puts kind of a bullseye on you when you go traveling because a lot of the criminals, you know, they look for tourists. They, got, they think, well, these people have money. Um, they're going to be scared. They don't, they don't know their way around. And chances are that even if we get caught, they will not come back to, you know, press charges yeah. or go to court or anything. So, And I, and I chalked it all up to experience and, and the, the, the thrill of adventure travel. And, um, I, I, and so, so many, many, I had many, many adventures. In fact, uh, the, 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 the story we're talking about today started while I was in a, a, um, a, on a liveaboard dive boat off the coast of Papua New Guinea. Okay. And that's when this story really got going. <laughs> and, and what happened? Okay, I was I was uh, scuba diving uh, on a on this on this boat, and uh, back in Virginia, my girlfriend was going to uh, veterinary school at Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, Virginia, okay. and we had had have had had a a real estate agent looking for a house for her to live in instead of renting for a place up there, uh, have her live in a place, uh, okay. own a place, thought it was better, better deal. <laughs> so we had a real estate agent looking for about a year for a place, and it's kind of hard to find a place up there. But while I was on this boat, uh, I had got a satellite phone call from her, and she told me that the real estate agent had found a place up in Blacksburg, Virginia that day, it went on the market, but there were already three offers on the property. Wow. Uh, and so I sight unseen, I, you know, I didn't know anything about it, but I figured, well, it's three offers on it, and it's right in my price range where I was looking for, uh, okay. then it must be a good place. So I told her to, to offer $1,000 over the asking price okay. of the property. I figured, you know, with three offers on the property, I, you know, yeah. what's $1,000? What's uh, yeah. So... So I did that, and uh, by the time I got back in the United States, I was the owner of this property. Wow, so you bought this site unseen. Talk about, and that's so interesting. You have been out already looking for a year. Right, right. and, and no, no expectations of finding anything except wow. when I was floating on this boat on, on the yeah. uh, Coral Sea in Papua New Guinea. I imagine probably you were thinking, ah, oh, it's not going to happen, whatever, okay, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, well, go for it, you know. Uh, but I think it was a it was a gut feeling. Mm -hmm. Something told me to go for it. Yes. And I could hardly make the phone call because it was on a satellite phone, and you had like a five or ten second delay. So it was a horrible conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so but, I'm but, I'm, yeah. I'm lucky I got it through. Yeah. But that's so, so, see, and that 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 goes along with what you're saying. How sometimes when things are meant to be. Exactly. Uh, and later on, I was I came to find out that this was meant to be, and. Uh, it, it'll give you chills, chill bumps to hear, hear how. Um, I, I bought the, so I got this property, and after I bought it, 
the first day I, I got there, it was the most beautiful place I've ever seen in my entire life. And I traveled all over the world, and it, it was it was uh, a small little house sitting in the gap of the mountains, overlooking a creek and a dam. Wow. And uh, later on, I found out that this house was uh, uh, built for the mill manager, and it once was a mill right right over over the side. It sounded like you walked up on the front porch and the chill bumps again started up and down my spine when I walked up okay. on the porch. Um, uh, it was the most beautiful view ever that you could possibly imagine. And the chill bumps were flying up and down and it was just an incredible, incredible spot. And it sounded like you were at the ocean, but you were on the front porch in the mountains because of the water going over the dam yeah, right, right. Be right below you. So it was just bizarre. And I didn't know what to expect when I walked to this property. My girlfriend had seen it once, oh. but she never she never mentioned that. What what the, she said? Oh, I had a pretty good view, but it, it's an astounding okay. view. Well, that, uh, that's good though because it yeah, exa like exactly, exactly. So um, uh, after I bought it, I was I I got an insurance question uh, uh, from the insurance company saying, "Well, we can't insure your property because it sits in a floodplain." And I'm saying, well, how's this in the floodplain when it sits, on, sits up on the side of a mountain? Okay. How could it be in a floodplain? And researching, I, found, I had to go find the plat of the property. And I realized at that point that the mailbox down at the end of the driveway was sitting down by the creek. And that was the part in the floodplain. Oh, because they were basing it where the mailbox was at. That's right. They didn't know. They were looking at the plan of the property. They couldn't tell it was on the side of a mountain. They just oh, saw that the, the, the floodplain was right where my mailbox was standing. Okay. So, but that wasn't the part that made me go find a chair. Uh, it was the uh, on the plat of the property on the bottom corner of the plat of the property. He dribbled on the bottom of the corner of the plat of the property, uh, which was Seibold. Okay, and <laughs> which, I know that's going to mean something. With the book, the book's about Seibold effect. Exactly. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, that after that, uh, after I got over that, I knew something very special was going on at this piece of property, and it was almost like at that moment I was knew that I was brought to this piece of property for a reason. Okay. Don't didn't know what it was whatsoever, but I knew knew for a fact in my heart that I knew I was it was a I was brought there. By somebody for some reason, it was no accident. And after a, after that, during now this now also to go back this this property is only about thirty five miles from Greenville, West Virginia, where I grew up. Okay. It it sits in the same limestone belt that the caves that I played in were at. Wow. Now there's there's a lot of a uh, lot of information about limestone being very spiritual has yes. a very spiritual essence yes. to it because. It, because it, it once was living organisms, right? Uh, limestone, you know, is shells and everything of, of, on the bottom of an ocean mm -hmm. that eventually turned into a mountain. <laughs> yep. So it's very, it's very, very spiritual things going on with limestone. And uh, let's see, where was I? <laughs> well, no, that that you discovered, you you saw that the, the name Seibold on the. Oh right. And I knew, and of course I knew Cybold was my my mother's maiden name, and they were the, one of the grandparents for the Cybolds, and they lived across the street from the Millers in Greenville, West Virginia. So okay. I knew something was going on, and I started doing research, and I found out that of the first five women, the grad now this, this property is only about seven miles from Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, okay. Virginia. Uh, I knew that um, 
that uh, I found out that, that of the first five women that graduated from Virginia Tech, two of them were related to me. Wow. <laughs> One of them, uh, it was a Carrie Seibold and a Lucy Lee Lancaster. Lucy Lee Lancaster became the librarian at Virginia Tech for the next 52 years. Wow. And her hobbies was travel and genealogy. Imagine that. Hmm. <laughs> this, this, book, this book is full of these things, which, which all at the time seemed like coincidences, but realized later on they were yes. no coincidences at all. They were all connected. And she, her papers are now archived at the Virginia Tech Library, the Lucy That's Lee Lancaster Collection. And there are 40 cubic feet of her papers. And I went through those 40 cubic uh, uh, boxes of papers and found out that this property I just bought was connected to three of my first-generation grandfathers. What? I know. That's how they write the book. Nobody believed me. Um, so what happened was that my, these three grandfathers came over on the same boat, the Winter Galley, in 1738 from Germany. And they migrated down the 81 corridor down to the New River Valley, into the, uh, and they started the uh, German New River Settlement. They were the founding fathers. Really? And there were three, three different families. Three, they were their friends. They were th friends of each other. But through the age, through the 200 years later, my connection to them connected all three, three of them to, to be my grandfather. Right, right. And, and I know what you're saying, that, yeah, at that point they were, but then, of course, the family spread out, you know, as everybody marries out. But that's incredible. You know what the odds on that are? <laughs> the, 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 well, that's, right, that's why I knew at that point that it was no accident because it couldn't be a statistical coincidence. It just, it, it just, it couldn't be. <laughs> and what happened? The, Did they own that land, or had they built that house, or was it just that they had owned that piece of okay. land, and then later on it was built on? This piece of this piece of land was picked out by Michael John Michael. And uh, let me tell you the names of these people. They were John Michael Price, John Philip Seibold, and John uh, John Philip Harless. Okay. And uh, the uh, Germans always named all their kids John. Uh, first name John, and went by their second names. Okay. Because John was a sacred, sacred, uh, sacred uh, uh, saint of the home. Okay. I with Saint John, that. with Saint John, so they named everybody John, and of course my name is John, <laughs> John David. Yeah, Miller. They, they do. I, yeah, and I know even among some Hispanic cultures, everybody in the family knows you and uses your middle name. That's right, and I go by my, I, right. I, I, I go then, by Dave, yeah. my middle name, right? Exactly. exactly. Um, so. So, so I, I'm thinking this is pretty astounding. But what happened, John Michael Price? Now, there's a Price's Mountain there. There's a Price's Fork Road. That's all named after him. Okay. Uh, and he eventually built a fort, a stone fort, and and was attacked by Indians. And it's a, a huge, a incredible history behind this. But he picked out my property that I just bought as a mill site. Okay. And eventually, his grandson, John David Price, <laughs> built. Uh, the mill, okay. and in about 1880, my house was built for the mill manager to live in. I, yeah, because that was one of the things that a lot of these settlements eventually had were those mills. That's right, and these were Germans, so they were mm -hmm. excellent engineers, and they knew how to build. And, they, and this is the best mill site you have ever seen in your entire life. It, it's 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 still the, the the mill's no longer there, but the dam's still there, and it, it's incredibly built. It'll be there forever. 
Um, wow. But it was all German engineering, and, and they and uh, so he picked out the mill site, but he wasn't alive uh, when the mill was actually built by his grandson. Okay, okay. So what happened then along the the way? What it got sold out to people, and then you bought it, or uh, actually, uh, it got eventually bought by Frank Seibold, a cousin. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> and. Uh, uh, eventually, it, it changed hands a few times. So when when I bought it, the property was uh, the last owners of the property was Frank Seibold, and that's why Seibold was written on the bottom corner of the plan oh, of the property. Okay. And and that was, and that's why I was thinking. I was thinking. I wonder, um, you know, when you were growing up, w did you ever hear any conversation of any of the stuff that you found out later on, or was this just? Oh, well, that's the funny thing. Greenville, West Virginia, is a, is a, is a, is a, we used to play at the Cook's Mill and had which was attacked by Indians every single day. But Cook's Mill okay. was exactly like Price's Mill that once sat on the property that I own. So it was very connected to Greenville, West Virginia in a number of different ways. Okay. Okay. But like all families, when they spread out. And I imagine back then when they settled there, these communities are very, besides there's not as many people, they're very, like you said, here they are in the wilderness, they're facing Indians, uh, they're basically trying to carve a settlement out of nowhere. Right. And at that, and, and at that time, of course, when, when, when you grow up in your family, gets the property. And the younger siblings move on for other and get other exactly, land, other right. places. Yeah. And so that's what happened there too. But the sidebar, uh, the it, this uh, actually ended up being a great grandfather of mine and a great great grandfather of mine. Yeah, grew because up. You, you have it on maternal and paternal lines. That wow, that's incredible. And and uh, and the maternal lines are incredible because uh, my grandparents' sidebolds were actually a cousins a generation apart. So I had a, a double dose of Cybold blood in my grandparents. Wow. That's which was unusual. And they, and they, and they, uh, but, and this place, the, the, the mill, the mill and everything is, is a place called Clover Hollow. And I have uh, a great grandfather and a great, great grandfather that came out of the Clover Hollow and they moved up toward, uh, Greenville, West Virginia. And that's how my family in Greenville, West Virginia got started. But the all started came from Clover Hollow. I see exactly. Wow. So, so here, at this, at you, you moved in, and you discovered that name, like you said, on the on the records of the of the property. Property, and right? Then what happened? Then I found out about that? the. Then I, found, then I studied about the new for about ten years. I studied the history of this place, okay. and all about the new uh, the German New River settlement. The, the colony uh, that they, they, they created in this area. They, they, they first started off the, the horseshoe bends of the New River, which is about seven miles away from this, um, this property. And uh, so, um, uh, let's see, where was I? <laughs> well, let me ask you something. Once you moved okay. in there, okay, you just, it sounds okay. like what, that house was what, like 100 years old, more or less? Uh, uh, yeah, probably 150. 20 or 30 years, right, okay. exactly. And, and but it had, been re, had, it had been re, it redone a few times. They added on a bedroom and a bathroom and put electricity in there and put a right. wraparound, wraparound porch and a tin roof. Just absolutely beautiful. Now, and the reason I was going to ask you is that 
Um, I was going to ask you, did you do any renovations? Because I know a lot of people, when they go into these older homes and they start renovations, that's, that sometimes things start happening in the house. And I was wondering if that happened with you. Well, that's exactly what happened. Um, I studied the history, and I, I, I actually didn't live in this, in this house. I went to school. She never experienced any supernatural activity whatsoever while she was there. It's all you. Uh, <laughs> but I, but I studied the I studied for about ten years uh, the history of this place is absolutely incredible. It's connected to George Washington, the French and Indian War, the uh, the Draper's Meadow Massacre, which happened uh, on Virginia Tech property. Uh, uh, the a book, in fact, a book was written about that called Follow the River. Okay. It was about Mary Ingalls being captured by the Indians mm-hmm. and taken at, taken to Ohio, and she escaped and made her way. She followed the uh, the, the river back, the New River, all the way back to her uh, her homestead and escaped. This is Mary the, Ingalls of Little House on the Prairie, right? Is that who? Well, it's not, oh, it's Mary Ingalls, but it's 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 of the Draper's Meadow. Okay, Mary, for a minute there, Draper, I was like. What? Uh, it might be the same name. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, so a book's been written about that, and that was incredible. But the day the, the, of the massacre, James Patton uh, was murdered that day. He was the uh, head of the militia in Virginia. And his nephew, William Preston, whose son later on became a governor of Virginia and everything, uh, he, he was sent out on an errand that morning. Okay. But in the, while he was gone, the Indian, uh, 20 Shawnee Indians attacked and, and killed or kidnapped everybody there that day. And uh, they, they, they left with Mary Ingalls and three other people and uh, a, lot of, a lot of things they stole. But they, they, they traveled and they traveled directly over my property that day because my property sits in the gap of the mountains. Uh, okay. The only way you can travel east or west in that area, you would have to travel over my property. Why, because and of the even mountains, w- or it's right. It's it's, the, it's a water gap right in the mountains. Okay. And either you have to climb over the mountain, or you go through this pass, yeah. which is where my property is. Okay. And even William Preston that day went over my property, but he didn't run into the Indians. And uh, I was the Indians say, was, they probably the natives were using that area even before there were settlers there then. Oh, oh, oh there's, there's, there's a paleo Indian site right around the corner from my, from my property. So it's all connected to, to the Indians. And, and, uh, and I knew that there were Indian trails everywhere around there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, this comes later on in the story of the, of the Indian trails. Uh, this, this story is so phenomenal. It, it's, it, it's, 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 very, <laughs> it's, 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 it's never been anything written or like this ever uh, that I, that I can find. Okay. So anyway, I studied, I studied the history for about 10 years and all about the Draper's Meadow Massacre and I connected to my property and I studied, I, I even mapped out all the Indian trails in the area because I knew an Indian trail went by my property somewhere. It had to, but it was through the development and everything and through the building of the mill and the roads and it must, they must have disappeared. But I, but I studied and mapped out all the, all the trail systems and, and, and these trail systems uh, were connected from this property through the property I grew up in Greenville, West Virginia. Uh, it was, there was Indian Creek up there, all kinds of the same trail system was where, where I was. So okay. I knew that that was there. Um, so I studied all, all yeah, this history was just absolutely incredible. But about, five, I took the property, the, actually the girlfriend's gone, but I, 
until I had the property, of course. Uh, And I started a remodeling project on the property because it was it was older piece of property. It needed to be remodeled, you know, Mm -hmm. new flooring, new floors, and stuff like that. So I started doing that, and that is when the supernatural activity started up, which I filmed and photographed every bit of it as it happened. Yes, because I knew something was going on, and I'm a photographer from way back, so I photographed everything and filmed everything. And the first experience in the book called The Seventh Step, and uh, as I was remodeling the stairway um, uh, in the house, uh, it was it was covered in two layers of carpeting, three or four oh. layers of paint. But I knew I could see the grain of the wood through the paint after I grabbed, I took all the carpeting off, okay. and I could see the grain. So I knew there was nice wood under there, mm-hmm. and and I later on found out it was like three hundred year old uh, white oak steps wow. underneath. So I start, but I had to hand scrape each step. Each step. That's a uh, lot of work. Oh, it took me it took me all weekend just to do one uh, one stairway, I one step. Um, so I I started out with step number one. It was twelve steps altogether, and okay. when I got to got to step number seven, uh, all of a sudden the chill bumps up and down my spine wouldn't stop. Really? Uh, couldn't really couldn't stop it whatsoever. So I and I stepped off the step, uh, and they would go away. I could step above the step, and it would go away. It was but that every time. Step. It was that one step on the number seven, and come to come, uh, later on, I, I came to find out the number seven has a big, a very strong meaning in this book. Okay. Um, so I know, I know I'm on the seventh step. I know I can re, and I can re, recreate this feeling anytime, any anytime I want to. Anytime I go and stand on that step, the chill bumps come, and I could repeat it anytime I wanted to. Uh, so this got me to think, well, this place is haunted. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something's going on here. Well, so started- you know what? Because I was thinking, depending on what, either because of, um, you know, something paranormal, you know, going on there, or yes. also the number seven, like you said, in and of itself, it's got its own mystical significance. Well, so, well, uh, huge significance, and I explain exactly what the number seven means in the book and, and what what importance it has. But at the time, I just noted in my head that it was the seventh step. Uh, it didn't go any further than that at the time. Okay. But, but what it did is made me interested in, in, in if this place is haunted or ghost or something. But it didn't feel like a haunting. Okay. It was a very uplifting thing. It was very exciting. It was very exhilarating. It wasn't scary at all. Okay. So that's what kind of threw me off a little bit. So I went and studied all the – I started watching all the ghost shows. And You're like, <laughs> I can figure out how to investigate this. So I went out and bought Aronic – infrared camera okay and I start, uh, actually the first thing I did was I did an EV uh, I, I taped an EVP with my iPhone <laughs> and uh, it works got it, when I was walking up the steps I was talking to the EVP and I wasn't getting anything when I got to the seventh step I could see the needles go go crazy on my oh, God. on the on the meter <laughs> That's so I uh, when I when I went back and listened to it it wasn't a voice of any time. It was more like an electronic squelch. Okay. Uh, and so my thinking was at the time, well, it's not, it's, a, it's electronic squelch. It's, it's like something is trying to get my attention. Right. It's an anomaly uh, of some type. Yeah. Something on purpose mm-hmm. being done to get my attention. So that's when I went out and bought the $80 Panasonic infrared camera. 
okay. and and film the steps um, uh, at night. Okay. And I would pass the camera over the steps, and it, when it when I uh, brought the camera back down, panning over the step number seven, I would lose two frames. All and the I time? Did this, uh, three times. <gasps> it, did, really? it did it three times. I could, I could tell I was losing something. You know, I, when I went back and examined the film, right. I could tell it was, I was losing two frames. Um, but it was weird, just right over step, step number seven, it was losing two frames. And after that third time, I panned back up, and I could see a little, what I, I call ectoplasm, okay. jump, jump off the, it kind of morphed and jumped off the step right at the spot that I was getting the EBP. And, and when I went back and looked at the film, I had to go back and look frame by frame, mm-hmm. and it was only in three frames that I could see it. I, I could see this little ectoplasm, little ball, and then the next frame it was it stretched out, and the next next frame it jumped. You could see it jump off a step. Oh. And, Let me and ask so you something. Did you? And I'm, okay. Now I'm, I'm like, did you ever pull the step up just to see there was something underneath there? Uh, well, I, mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if the stairs I, could you could do that or not. I decided at the end, I, I did think about that, but I decided not to do that. I was thinking at the time that, that, that the, maybe the mill manager hit his gold there. You know, well, and it was you, just, I didn't know, you know, I was just, I my imagination thought, I would have probably crazy. thought something along those lines like, yeah. Right, uh, exactly. Uh, so um, I, I got this on film, and, and it, so it only appeared in three frames, okay. this jumping off. So it happened very quickly. Now, once you know it happened, you could see it on the film. But it ha- so if that means if it happened in three frames, it's 30 frames per second. That means it took one-tenth of a second for this thing to jump off the, that step. Wow. So it was phenomenally quick. In fact, I, I, I thought of that as a supernatural speed because um, yeah. it wasn't like it was a normal thing happening. It was, it was, but but it was still it was coming back to me that something was trying to get my attention. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, don't know why and everything, but I, you know, I, I think it, it doesn't feel like a haunting. It's not scary at all. It's real exciting, and it, it just—I I didn't know what it was. And I continued filming. Um, I started filming around uh, on my website. I got the best orb videos you've ever seen in your life. Wow. Uh, orbs flying around with trails on them. Um, look like little meteors. <laughs> Would this happen when you were in the house, or when you were gone, or was it when you were asleep? When was it that all this phenomena was going on? It only it only happened when I was trying to film it. Really? Uh, that's what told me that it was it was still something trying. It was it was very weird because it was like it was it was uh, giving me what I expected to see. Okay. Uh, this sounds kind of weird, but uh, it was like there was, was when I was filming. And my, what was going on in my head okay. uh, when I was watching when I was watching all these shows, I was seeing a lot of orbs. Mm-hmm. So when I went out to try to film something, I got orbs. Okay. And that 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 changed uh, that changed later on on all different types of shapes and sizes of every uh, the uh, every shape you can imagine, morphing shapes and and everything. Never any apparitions. Never any apparitions at all. Which told which again told me that this wasn't a haunting. Let me ask you something though, Dave, real quick. Okay. Did you, when you were traveling in all these places, whether it was here in the U.S. or 
you know, internationally. Did you ever have a paranormal experience or something or witness anything? Or was this something that just started happening to you when you were there on that property? Uh, it, it always, I always had these premonitions. Uh, okay. I always, I learned really young to trust. So I don't know if you call them paranormal experiences, but I, 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 I always had my whole life premonitions. I mean, not okay. pre, uh, premonitions. Um, that's kind of a bad. Word, uh, more like just a. Uh, I, I would notice things out of the ordinary. Okay. And I thought they were directed at me. Okay. Kind of weird, but but that's what I thought. <laughs> so I wasn't it. It wasn't freaking me out when this stuff was happening because it was like it was being it was it was directed at me. It wasn't something that I came across. Okay. It was something that was happening because I was there. I understand was, what you mean. It's kind of weird. It was just a very uh, surreal no. type of feeling. <laughs> well, no, uh, it's it's almost like the feeling that you get is what's happening at that moment is happening. For you to witness it. That's right. And it's also manifesting itself in a way that for me to notice. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever saw any of this stuff ever. Right. And the only reason I can say it happened because I filmed it. <laughs> so I know it happened. Um, but I don't think it would have happened to anybody else um, at all because they weren't the target. Uh, I, was, I was targeted to come there. And I knew at the time that I still was thinking that well, this place might be haunted, but it didn't. This did not feel like a haunting. Right, like your yeah, your prototypical that people description. So right. as the time went by, I guess were they afraid of like overwhelming you? Did it slowly ramp up? Uh, it at, at the, the I think for about a year. Now all this was done by myself. You know, there really wasn't anybody else involved. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it was right when I had broken up with my girlfriend and everything like this, and so I kind of put all my efforts into this house in the mountains because I knew something was special about it. So, but it, so I experienced all this on my own, but then again, I did film everything. <laughs> so it's not like I'm crazy. Um, um, but I would start filming every, every I could rec- I could fi- every time I would pick the camera up and go try to film something, I would capture something on film for about a year wow. every time. And I would start uh, filming stuff in later other parts of the house. And then that brought me out to the front porch. Um, And the front porch has an iron railing around it. And I started getting the EVP, the uh, EMF. uh, It uh, it would register about 10 times when I got to the center post on the railing. Um, Now, later on, I I, kind of figured out this was a man-made... Basically, uh, what it was, this iron railing was was bolted into limestone concrete, was okay. laying on limestone bedrock, okay. and I believe it was producing energy of some sort, and that's what was making the uh, the uh, EMF meter go crazy. Go crazy. But it would go crazy all around the the railing, and I could use the binding rods. They would cross every time I go over the railings. There was no electrical outlets anywhere around, and, and so, so there's no electric. Was coming off of that. And how about dreams? Did you did you ever ever stop ha- start having any type of dreams? Uh, I mean, I know people dream. Don't, that's, that's, I guess that's the wrong. Yeah, no, no, no. I, dreams I, that you I, yourself many, were like. Yeah, I learned later on that dreams were very important, and I would try to remember what they were and try to make mm-hmm. some sense out of them. But it would almost seem like my reality was my dream. 
Okay. Um, if that makes sense. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I understand, and sometimes I know that, um, especially when people are having this type of experience. As as much as let's say it sounds like you had a really open mind, and you were like, in other words, there was no fear there. Exactly. You know, sometimes yeah, was, our yeah, critical exactly. factor when it goes down is when we go into the dream state, which is a lot of times when you get these messages. And sometimes it comes through as like really weird dreams or when you dream with people that you're like, who's this? And then later on you realize that it's part of what you were experiencing when you're awake. Exactly. Well, this whole story has uh, sacred geometry built all into it. It's got um, numerology. It's got um, signs and symbols throughout the whole book that all – Eventually, I come to figure out what they meant. And um, so I was in, in, intrigued with all this stuff the whole time. And I was, so I was, I was on a high state of alert. Um, okay. uh, amazing, amazing. I was looking, I would notice everything that was going on because I knew that if that, that's, something was going on. Okay. Uh, it brought me outside where, where I, and I started filming. Now, <laughs> this, it gets even crazier. Um, this house overlooks the creek down below. Okay. And every time there was a weather event, let's say uh, snow or rain, the water would start to bubble up like a witch's cauldron. <laughs> really? And, yeah. And, and I, I come, I, you know, later on, I come, I've come to the conclusion, this is a very energetic spot. Um, all, there's a lot of springs that go through the limestone that end up okay. in the creek. So, so I think this is more of a, a, a chemical reaction between the acid rain and limestone and, and all the chemicals okay. in the water. So anyway, so I, but I started, you know, this seemed important because uh, it seemed like this was an energy source for all these manifestations okay. were happening because they were feeding off this energy in this place to be able to manifest themselves. So I started filming outside every time after a weather event. Okay. And and I started filming the creek after during while it was bubbling up. I would set my camera on a, a video camera on a tripod and film the creek, also. And I captured things on film swimming through the water that I can't identify. Oh. And and uh, like a, I like, a, like the size of what of a fish of a person what. A size of a fish, but not a fish. <laughs> oh, wait, uh, like, wait, no, no. You gotta tell me. <laughs> you, uh, you, I'm like, it's like they got them sitting down, like a uh, this, fish, it, but not a fish. Like, like, like right. I mean, I imagine it, it, it went through the water like a fish, right? It, but it, it moved at the super, a, new, a supernatural speed, just like the thing off the steps. In fact, I, I filmed one thing uh, flying through the frame of the camera that I come to the conclusion later that, it, that, that, it, that it's an undyne. <laughs> do you know what they are? Yes, I do know that what that is. Okay. Uh, that's my conclusion that this is an undyne. That's an elemental spirit. That's right. That, and a lot of this stuff I was filming, I come to the conclusion that they were elementals. Um, and uh, in fact, the whole book is about the nature-spirit relationship. And... This is the way they were contacting me was basically the nature spirits were contacting me what? for some reason. And uh, that is incredible. So and, what you're telling me is that this, uh, what's there predates your family uh, even being there. Oh, oh it's, 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 I don't think you know the, the crazy part of the story. <laughs> it, it gets much crazier. Um, okay. So, so I'm filming this stuff, and, and I film it in the water, and it looks like a plant 
like a flower swimming through the water. And it's going against the current, and it's going at this high rate of speed, but I was able to capture it in three, three frames, just like the thing off the steps. Oh. Same, so, so it tells me it's moving at the same speed that ectoplasm was moving off the steps. And, and the water is bubbling up as this is happening, and this thing flies across my uh, screen, I think, on purpose. It was, it was meant to be seen by me. Wow. And, so, and it, it's the most bizarre thing. I, I've got, I think I've got the video on my website. <clears throat> but anyway. Is, let me tell you something. That's like. <laughs> well, I, I, I filmed this. I took high resolution photographs of the snow one day because it, because it looked, um, the, the snow looked like lakes. So I photographed it. And then when I looked at the film, I was, I was just amazed. I got little figures in the snow <laughs> one looked like one looked like pegasus one looked like it had wings and at that time i started starting to develop the theory of that these were elementals you got fire you got air right, you got right exactly <laughs> and they, and i was getting i was getting representations of all of them i got the undines i got fire i got wind and air <laughs> um oh but i but, but i caught it on film so i know something still trying to contact me but what are they trying to show me? Really? And that's, that's like, when it gets even crazier. Okay. I'm buckled <laughs> in. Let's go. Okay. All right. Um, you asked for it. Um, yeah. this, you, you'll see now why I had to write the book. And I had yes, documented, and I documented all this just because of this, you know, because it just sounds weird. It sounds well, unbelievable. Oh, no, it's like, oh, Wow. So one day in the morning, I'm very keen now to everything that's going on, everything that's around me. So I'm drinking coffee one morning, very lightly. I was looking out over the yard, and uh, I saw, because of the white snow and the brown leaves, I could see the outline of a trail going right over my property. And... I knew at that moment that that was the, probably the only Indian trail left in this area, okay. but it goes right across my yard. Okay. So I went out to, to look at this. Now, this is where it gets crazy, and this is where it's hard to believe, but I filmed it all. I, I even filmed the discovery of this trail okay. and, and had that in the books. You know, step by step, this is what I saw. This is what I, so I went out to, to investigate this trail that I just, and I knew there's Indian trails around here somewhere, and I knew at that moment that this was a trail. Okay. And I went out to the end of the trail where it was, uh, where when they built the mill, they cut in a road. Okay. So they, they kind of cut in, cut off a piece of the side of the mountain, and that's where the trail ended. It was about a 15-foot drop down to the road. Okay. But there was a strange, strange rock. Okay. And uh, so I, it was covered in, in moss and, and all this kind of stuff. Where was, but it was this a very, rock? At the end of the trail? At the end of the trail where it dropped off to the road, where, where the trail ended where they it built the road hmm, okay. but, it, but so to me i'm thinking it's a trail marker because it's got look like it's got carvings all over it it's, okay. it's a trail marker maybe it maybe it was you know at one time they made this a trail marker for whatever whatever right so i uh um filmed that and i then i white then i 
I took a lot of the moss off the tr- off the off the trail off the, the 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 rock, and it's the most it was the most obscure carvings I've ever seen anywhere in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And and I've been to ancient civilizations all over the world, and I've never seen anything like this. But it was obviously ancient and almost alien in looking. <laughs> and this and, was it, it wasn't visible before because it was covered up by the moss. It's one spot where probably nobody's even stood for 200 years. It was completely cut off from, from uh, civilization when they built the mill and the, and the road in. Right, and nobody so, would bother to go there anymore because the no, trail nobody would ever. And, and even, even the house I'm in, you would never go to that spot, uh, wow. ever. But, so I did that day, and of course I photographed it all as I, I discovered it. And then I started photographing all the rocks around me, which is uh, the whole mountain is covered in, in these rock formations. And uh, this is the crazy part. I'm now convinced, and I've got hundreds and hundreds and thousands of photographs okay. of the most obscure petroglyphs you've ever seen in your entire life. Are you kidding me? No, I've written three articles now for Ancient Origins magazine or ancientorigins.net, and they think, as well as I do, that I have discovered an ancient civilization on this property. I'm totally just crazy. <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm just quiet because I'm like, oh, my God. This is why nobody believes me because it just it's too far-fetched. I, oh, but because I'm thinking, I've got like, all... wait a minute, Native Americans, okay. unfortunately, that was part of the thing was that they didn't have written language. You know, everything was oral tradition. That's so right. I'm thinking, does this uh, predate how far back this predates the, the this predates the North American East Coast uh, Native Americans. This is probably their ancestors, or not. It's it, it gets even crazier where you, where I've even read, read mythological uh, folklore. Uh, oh, 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 by the way, all this this also house sits on the sacred hunting ground. So by studying, say, actually studying uh, Cherokee folklore is what gave me all the answers to what's going on. At this, okay, on so this the place. Cherokee were the Native Americans that would normally, would, would have, were there at one point. Yeah, they, wouldn't have, they didn't live there. They actually used those as, as their sacred hunting grounds. Okay. And they so shared they, them with all the Indian tribes. But this was, this was uh, what I, uh, these petroglyphs, uh, and I've documented all this. They're on my website. They're, uh, they're, they're the most incredible. Um, in fact, I've, I've even matched some of these petroglyphs up to Machu Picchu in Peru. What? <laughs> I know, well, I was going to ask you, when you say petroglyphs, are they, you know how some of these petroglyphs, you can tell that they're an animal or that they are symbolic of, you know, that you can tell what it is. Yes, these aren't like uh, uh, cave drawings. These uh-huh. are like uh, rock formations that are shaped into anthropomorphic shapes. Really? Uh, yeah, wow. most un- unbelievable things you've ever seen in your entire life. And I've got pa- I've got thousands of I got, I've, and all okay. and around all these petroglyphs, I or stuck in the nook and crannies, portable uh, petroglyphs and uh, carvings. And I've got I've got hundreds. Hundred portable pieces right now that are unbelievable. Really? Now, of course, nobody believes me. I've had I've had the state archaeologist out there, and he was amazed. But he there there are no experts on this anywhere. I can uh, imagine. If you go to if you go to Indian experts, they all they know is uh, pipes and 
pottery. You know, uh, pottery and and arrowheads and that sort of thing. Right. This this goes back way further than that, and it's the most creative rock carvings you've ever seen. And I've even got rock carvings which. Well, and, and if you're telling me that they, they took the trouble and they carved things that were portable, that means that it was like, I want maybe the protection or the mystical meaning. Yeah, it told me that this was a, sac this is a very sacred spot. It, it put a connotation into it that these carvings were done. Uh, these carvings are absolutely amazing. And I strongly feel that these are probably alien origin. Really? Or, possib or possibly an alien colony or was once there. Or influence, you think? Or influence, exactly. Exactly. And I think it's, it's, it's I write about it in the book, it's called iconoclastic behavior, mm -hmm. is where a civilization goes in, and then another civilization comes in and builds on top of it. Right. And then another civilization, like Peru, you know. Yes. Uh, so, so I'm thinking this ancient, ancient colony was there. Then uh, Indian, the American Indian were there, right. and then my ancestors came and built their colony on top of that right. colony yes, exactly. without noting it. So that now gives me the reason I was brought to this piece of property, to discover this ancient civilization, which is trying to tell us a lot, lots of things. And uh, it's... Well, you know it's what? actually it, so it's, incredible, it's, it's hard incredible, to talk about. Dave, because the truth is that Every day they're discovering, you know, originally, you know, the, the thought was that the Native Americans had come over from through Alaska, through the land bridge, and then gone through right. South Central yeah, America. I, I talk about that in the book. You got the Clovis, Clovis uh, points and all that. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, but they're always discovering after, you know, this is like this was discovered or they, and it's set in stone. But then they discover all these different things, like even like what they've done with the discovery of America. You know, poor Christopher, he's out of it. You know, they, they found all these settlements. <laughs> You know, from the Vikings, well, they, 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 from other people that got here uh, way before Columbus. Exactly. In the 1990s, they discovered a place called Cactus Hill here in Virginia, not too far away from Richmond. And they dated that thousand years. When they, so that's 10,000 years. They, they dated that to when? 25,000 years ago. What? Which is 10,000 10, uh, 10, years later than the Clovis Indians. Who they thought that that's where the original ones came from, you know, the Alaskan land bridge. Right, exactly. Now, now God, the thing I is about not, my property. I had not heard of that. I had not heard of Cactus Hill. I had never yeah, heard it, of that. They, I don't know why they, people don't talk about it, but that, in my research, I, I found out about that. Um, now, this house, you also got to remember where this property is. If you would have thought about the original humans, I talk about this in the book, the original humans to come crossed over my property. Uh -huh. Either going east or west. Right. So, um, but we're, I'm thinking these these rock petroglyphs are still, and the only only reason I was able to identify these things was taking high resolution photographs of them and studying them from from for hours because if you were sitting right in front of them, you would never notice a thing. But if you captured a, captured these rocks at a certain angle. You, you could definitely see exactly what's going on. And my website's got a lot of these things on it. I've got an Instagram account now. Let that, me ask you uh, something. Do, do you think that that piece of land, I don't want to say that it was a place people would come to get in touch 
I don't want to. I don't want to say temple because it predates that. But in other words, the people that were there felt what was there and would come there to. Yeah, I I know what you're saying. Yes, I I definitely think this was a special special spot, right. and it probably continued on through the different uh, different generations of inhabitants of the area. Probably knew it, except for my ancestors who came in from Germany. They right. obviously didn't know what was there and built, but they picked this spot out because it's such a strategic spot. Yes, and you know that what? They I was going to say site. that it's not the first time that certain things are built in certain places, but then when you look, it's like there's no way, like you said, your family would have known, but certain locations are picked over and over again. That's right, and for a reason. And a reason, uh, yeah. this was a very strategic spot, perfect place for a mill. And one one uh, day, the, the water was way low, and I went to the bottom of the dam, and I found this the most incredible rock carving I've ever seen. It's it's a little portable piece, but it's perfectly carved. You, it's, it's the it's the one piece you can definitely tell was carved because it looks like a head of a fish on there, and all this. And it was sitting on top of a rock that was normally underwater. Okay. And it was like it's sitting there for me to find. Wow. And that's what put it all together for me that this was the ancient civilization was here. And then beings came through and then my ancestors came through and then the modern world came through. And it's all built on the same spot, you know, uh, and I, no, none of this would have ever been found if I hadn't been brought to this piece of property. Let me ask something, Dave. And I know sometimes people don't record that. Did you come across any of your family papers where anybody that ever lived there ever said or wrote anything about any experience they had no, over there? No, no, Now, I, 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 lots of times in Greenville, West Virginia, my grandfather would tell me stories about the Indians and about how the fort was attacked every day at one time and, and on Indian stories like that, right. which got me as excited as a little kid about that sort of thing. Uh, but I, and, and when I first started discussing... Before the uh, supernatural activity started up, I thought something was going on in that in that area, obviously. So I started searching the creeks and everything. I was looking for Indian artifacts is what okay. I was looking for. But I never found any. And I never found any tools or anything around all these petroglyphs I found. Isn't that which, weird? Uh, which tells me that this was a sacred spot. Right. In it other words, you it, never found something you could say, okay, there, this – Exactly, and I understand what you're saying. Well, I didn't find, like you said, arrowheads. I didn't find pottery. I didn't find anything that I could say, okay, I know that this was from, let's say, the the Native Americans that used to live here, whether it was a Cherokee or whatever, and I know this predates that. Just, you're telling me there's an absence of, of all that, that type of... Which, uh, which tells me uh, tells me two things. Number one, that this place is extremely old. And I go, and I go through that in the book. You know, People can't understand. You, know, in, in, you go to Peru. Now, the People don't understand the Appalachian Mountains are some of the oldest mountains. And the new river up there is the second oldest river in the world. And But you go to Peru, where the mountains are there only 25, 50 million years old, but you find all kinds of civilizations there, ancient civilizations. Okay. What tells me that, the, that these in, in the Appalachian Mountains are so old that they basically disappeared over time. They turned to, they turned to right. dust over time but this one place is protected it's it's uh and it was all covered with moss it covered with brush you would never know anything was there until i found it so i dug it out and i think there's a sacred temple there which i found um what <laughs> and, uh, 
the photographs are incredible, um, uh, but it's very hard to show the, show anybody tell the story because it's it's too unbelievable. But I documented it, every, and as I discovered all these things, I filmed it as I, as it was happening. Okay. So it's it's definitely it's definitely there, uh, and the rock petroglyphs are incredible. They're they're uh, they're they're phenomenal. And um that's that's wow so, i mean <laughs> and I just, I just, especially when you, think that, <laughs> you saw something in the water going against the current i'd be like oh my god what uh and it, it's the it, it's it's uh it looks like a uh and that and, that, and I, i've come up with theories on exactly who this is what this is and it all goes back to the nature spirit relationship and if you think about it if an ancient civilization was there once and you believe that there's an afterlife. See, I think this whole book proves more than anything that there is an afterlife. Okay. Because, because you, you, you can think about this two ways. Either everything that I told you tonight was a, all, it had to be all coincidences, just, just random events that happened. Okay. But if it wasn't random events, then it means that somebody brought me to this piece of property. Sure. Absolutely. And that is basically the essence of an afterlife. Somebody from the afterlife, which I think was my ancestral ancestral spirits, well, brought me yeah. there because. And if you think about it, an afterlife, if there is an afterlife, then the an ancient civilization, that's where they are now. That well, you know, they're, they're the same. There's, some, the there's same such spot. a thing as familial collective memory, also, which I, I, I talk about that a little bit in the book too. You do absolutely, okay. yeah, absolutely. Um, but it, but my ancestors. If they went to a heaven or whatever you believe in, it's the same heaven that the, those ancient civilization went. So, so they're right. all together yeah. now in this afterworld. Let me ask <laughs> they you, do you think that for some reason there's a, either, I don't want to say a rip because that's an inaccurate, but some of the portal, you mean? crossover very Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I think this is this the energy that this natural energy that's happening at this spot is is producing the energy that connects the afterworld to our uh, physical world. It's a it's a portable. It's, it's the connection between us and the afterlife. Wow. And, and and they can take advantage of this because there's so much energy there. They can use that to cross. That's how they, that's how people in the afterworld connect to the people. In the reality, okay, through nature, right? Through nature, nature is nothing more than than a really a physical e expression of what's in the afterlife. And all the in uh, Cherokee Indians, they all believe their ancestors are part of the natural world, right? But you know, it, they all believe that the rock formations contain the spirits of their ancestors. But you know what? It also kind of makes it easy to understand why they thought of this location as being special. Oh, absolutely. There's no, in fact, the same thing when I first day I walked on, onto that piece of property, I knew it was very special. And I've traveled all over the world and I've seen some really special places. Uh -huh. This was definitely special. I knew it at the time. Right. They did, I mean, they didn't have, let's say, your, 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 you know, your, the cameras and all the things that you use to capture all this evidence, but they kind of, you know, they trusted their what, like like what you got the the goosebumps you know they trusted their bodies or or if they had any type of you know people that were you know mystics or seers that knew that this there was something about this location 
Absolutely. In fact, that the chill bumps, I'm convinced, were the, the, the connection between me and the after, afterlife. That was their connection. They, that's the way they could contact, just like they could uh, affect my camera. They could put the, or, or the EVP, they could put the, put the squelch on there, or they could manifest themselves. I was, I, was, I was taking photographs. Just two days ago, I was up there. Mm-hmm. And I was filming the the, the, the creek. What first time I've ever seen the creek frozen over? Okay. And I fro- and I fro- uh, right in front of me, and I went back and looked at the photographs yesterday and was astounded. I could see images of faces looking at me through through the, the ice. Looked like they were underwater, but they were all oh smiling. They were all smiling. Okay, and they were that's all- good. <laughs> <laughs> now that I put this, I put this picture on my website last night. It's on the first page of my website, thecyboldeffect.com. And uh, the first page is all about the Appalachian supernatural. It's got a lot of, it's got a videos on there. Um, uh, the second page is uh, called the Lost Tribe of Clover Hollow. That's all the pet- a lot of the petroglyphs are on there, but there's many, many more. And the third page is about the book itself. I, and you know what I am like. It's I, I know that's like, why it's hard, very hard to talk, tell people this story because it's just so so phenomenal. Well, I'm, it's not even that it's phenomenal. It's that you know you hear these places like in different parts of the world, right? But they're usually uh, have got either temples or churches or something as big as already there. That's right. That's right. And so does this place. Now that I think, oh, I think well. it's got a, a definitely a temple location which I've been identified, and it's got uh, guardians, rock guardians that guard over it. They, um, it's just amazing. How did what kind of rock? What are we talking here? Like, was it something? Um, are they at certain locations or these guardians? The, 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 or? I, I'm right in the crevice, like a water gap in the mountains. Both sides of the mountains, on both sides of the creek, are carved. Every really? every rock you can find is carved. Oh. Every little rock you can find is carved, and the, and a lot of these small carvings were all buried around the base, around these. Uh, and I haven't. I've just started. I've I've really just investigated the petroglyphs right on my property, right on the yard of my house. Right. I can photograph the ones across the creek, but it's very. It's, very, it's obvious nobody's ever. You can't. It's very steep, and nobody has been over there since. Okay. Since these were created, probably. But in the wintertime, when all the leaves are gone, you can photograph all these rocks. Right, because there's no... You can't even see them in the summertime. Wow. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's, it's a crazy, crazy, crazy story. Well, because I'm thinking to myself, and I, because that was what I was going to ask you, have you, have you ever gone, like in other words, found out if it's, how far out this extends? Um, I think it extends pretty far. Okay. <laughs> In okay. fact, I, I, I've got I've got a, uh, but you would never know it, because you never notice it. Looking for it, you look like just normal rock formations to you, unless you know what you to look for. Once you see what's going on, you can see it in all the all the rocks. Okay. And it's hard to explain. You'll need to go on my website and look at them. Well, no, <laughs> you know what? And incredible. I'm sure, like what you're what you're describing, when you've trained your eye to look for certain things, after a while, it becomes easier and more apparent for you. For example, 
Yeah, I see, I see it in all the rocks now. I see exactly what's going on. It's all about the faces, basically. They carved one rock would have 25 different faces on it, and it would have different images. There were really images within images, and, uh, it only from, and, and different images from different angles. So the only way you would ever see it would be looking at high-resolution photographs. They captured that right that moment that you can actually recognize what's going on. That is because you know, so that's why that's why my that's why that's like like what you're saying faces sometimes manifesting from people that have passed on. Like I've heard of that in different ways and and stones and but that's exactly yeah. And I think I think that the the use of these faces was done on purpose. Like let, let, let's say you're an alien <laughs> uh, uh -huh. colony and okay. you wanted to communicate your existence to the future. You couldn't really put your language, carve your language into a rock. Who would know your language? Exactly. But you can carve faces, and you can carve anthropomorphic figures. Yes. People of anywhere would recognize what these are. Exactly. So it's, a, so it's all one big communication event. And you know what? You're going to laugh, and you're going to go, well, Marlene, you're way. You're way. You know what this <laughs> reminds me of? Okay, you remember that movie? Uh, close Encounters, sure. where basically they end up communicating with the extraterrestrials via music because there's no they, they, this was this was their how, how they how they were hoping on the most basic level to communicate. <laughs> That's right. You, the harmonic harmonic tones right, is the, the way that they were able to communicate. Because like you said, language that was out of the question. And this I've was, even, yeah, I mean, I've even got ro rocks with uh, carvings on there. It looks like a language. Looks like a right, carved well, and language. I'm thinking to myself, well, you know what? And what you just said, where if if you've got two, you know, two cultures or however you want to look at it, trying to communicate, sometimes you have to start with the basics, which are symbols. That's right. Exactly. 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 And I talk about that in the book about the language of Clover Hollow. And if you look at some of these rocks, it looks like a language. You look closely, you see it's little spaces. All wow. it's spaces with different expressions all over the place. So it's it. What a what a what a great way to communicate for the yeah. for ages. Yes. And it makes you think Forever. that we're the we're, we're the dumber ones because this almost <laughs> sounds like. What you do with little kids is like you draw a face. Okay, let's. This is the happy face. So that's right. And you can imagine what what I went through when I tried to contact National Geographic, Smithsonian Institute. I had state archaeologists out there. And They're all taught that this doesn't exist. But what? But okay. Well, that's what that's what science is about. Discovery. <laughs> you would think. You would think. But there's very closed minds out there in, in the scientific community. Even though state archaeologist was great. I mean, but he was more interested in the. Uh, Supernatural, like you on the property than the actual rock carving. But you know what? I, I think that's in, in, in I I understand what you're saying because I've heard sometimes that with academics in certain fields, big discoveries are only made when the old guys die out <laughs> and the fresh blood <laughs> comes in because a lot of them are so set in what they learned maybe 20 or 30 years before as what oh, the truth was. That when they present it with new evidence, especially if it flies in the face of what they thought was the truth, they just right. <laughs> accept it like, uh-uh, it's not, that's not real. And I'm thinking to myself, I, this is the kind of discovery that any scientist would like give anything to be a part of. You, you would think so. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I've got nothing but resistance, but that's okay because I, I, I understand that resistance. <laughs> Because it's hard to believe all this is hard to c comprehend. Well, um, 
but it's true. You, you know what? The, the bulk of major scientific discoveries usually are resisted or take, you know, it's like, it's not everything that's discovered out there is just accepted right off the bat. I'm, I'm surprised that they're like, you know, you always think of this. That's, that's the sole reason I wrote the book because okay. uh, it was very difficult to get people. Actually, the, the state archaeologist is the one that told me about the number seven okay. and how, uh, how in, myth, myth, in mythological terms it means a lot. And I, when I went to study it, I found out the number seven was your uh, – <laughs> Believe it or not, it's your ancestors trying to get in touch with you. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And the number three is real important in this book, and the three has to do with that also. Um, the circle with the horizontal line mm -hmm. is all about the afterlife. Wow. It's, it's incredible. Yes. And let me ask you, when you went through... Have you spoken to any other family members or when you went through the, your ancestors' uh, yes, papers, I've gotten, did you I, ever come across anything? As what? Like what? Well, either that they made mention of something unusual or, you know, sometimes families or certain things come up and then nobody ever N mentions it again. No, ne never, never, none. Okay. Because, and that also tells me that I was the target, sole target of this whole thing. Okay. From childhood. Now, I think when I was in those caves in West Virginia was when I was marked. Okay. Uh, and, and, and it just so happens the time I was, I was playing in those caves was the same time they were blowing, blowing dynamite, the bedrock, out in, for the, to build that my house is built on. They, built a, they put a basement in. They blew, it, blew the bedrock out with dynamite. Wow. And I can't help to think that that has connected. Yes. Somehow yes, it's connecting yes, me. Yes, 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 Especially when you're talking elemental entities. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, now, the, the weird part of it is after this um, book has been written, they're trying to put the uh, Mountain Valley pipeline, natural gas pipeline, through that area, oh. which will destroy all this. And so now I'm thinking that this, is, this is another reason that it's place. To save yes, it from that. Most definitely. Absolutely. Oh my God, Dave, this is so fascinating. <laughs> and, and the symbol for the no, uh, no mountain pipeline uh -huh. is a circle with a horizontal line. Oh my God. <laughs> so That's let me the ask symbol you, you see do now. Do you have there. any That's family amazing. that you've talked to about now, you know, people that are alive now? Have you told them yes. what you found them? What do they say? Well, I told my, my mother. My mother's very religious, so I was very hesitant. <laughs> to tell her about this, but of course it's so phenomenal, I did, okay. and she had no, absolutely no support for this whatsoever, and she found, and she, but when she read my book, it like, everything changed. Really? Yeah, because I, the book explains it in detail, what, was, what happened. That's incredible. And it gives you explanations and everything, it's just... Right, that, that, that in other words, <laughs> it's not really, it, it, if you look at it from that perspective... It doesn't fly in the face of any type of religious belief. On the contrary. Uh, no, no, exactly, exactly. Now, of course, when you talk to somebody who's very highly religious, anytime you mention ghosts, that's oh. demons. Okay, yes, you're right. <laughs> I've heard of that. I've heard of that. Uh, and that's what my mother, mom uh, uh, first thought about. But these weren't demons. These were It's a very friendly, exciting afterlife out there. And I think that's one of the biggest uh, things about the book. It really gives you a great argument in the existence of an afterlife and a very positive uh, belief in the afterlife.
Well, absolutely. And, and I, don't, I don't see how any you can you can say that I wasn't contacted by my ancestral spirits and these Indian spirits and maybe this ancient civilizations. Right. Well, and this is the thing. If you know, if, if we go on that theory, you know, we're talking about things that are happening that predate, you know. Judeo-Christian beliefs, because that was that's right. That's another thing too. I, you know, I talk to people that are Christians, and 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 and, and I think there's a lot to it, and everything. But that's the belief in, in a person that exi- didn't exist three thousand years right. ago. Exactly. What, like. what 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 was the religion about before that? And I think you, when you look at these petroglyphs and you look at everything, you go back to the 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 very beginning of religion, which which was animism. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which was the belief that everything had a spiritual essence to exactly. it. Exactly. And that, that explained, and that's where I got into out of Cherokee folklore, which explains this whole situation to a T. Yeah. That explains the carvings, explains the nature spirits, the mm-hmm. elementals, explains it all. Yes. That mo- mo- boy, that, and, and, and especially if there was this one concentrated place where that was more evident than in other places, not that it didn't exist, but this was maybe. Yeah, I've heard the expression the ve- the veil is very thin <laughs> in Clover Hollow. It's all very thin, and I had been thinking about that right in my mind. <laughs> and I got the, I, I have things on film flying around you can't identify, and and and, it, and the thing is, I've got it all this documented, so it's not like a crazy theory. Which is fantastic. Thank God for cameras, huh? <laughs> exactly, and I've been a photographer like, all my life. Yeah. You know, this is what I saw, this is what I saw, and it's like, it'd be, it'd be your word. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Oh Dave, you know what, I could go on for hours and hours talking to you, but I can't do that. But I understand, I understand I want completely. To thank you so, so much. I, I got to go, when I finish up here, I'm going to go to your website, because I got to go look at these pictures. I'm not yeah, I, I, I took a lot of stuff off the website because it was just too much on there and it made it really what? slow. So, I, I, but look at Instagram if you if you met, yes. if you're part of Instagram, look yes. up the Cybold effect, all one word. I will. And and I just started posting on there, okay. which is getting a lot yeah, of interest. I, the, I mean, I have to show I've spent it with my mouth open because describing. <laughs> well, I love I love talking about it because and I, you see, I get I have a passion about oh, talking yeah. about it because I don't. I want, you and that's the whole reason. I'd be passionate. And that's the whole reason about the book. The, I want to get the story out. And well, let me tell you something. It's a story that deserves to be out. I'll tell you that. Right now. <laughs> I appreciate, appreciate it very much. Because it's, it's what you're describing there is something that is, that's incredible. It's, 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 but it, but it's, how I want to say incredible, but very logical. As long right. as there's, you open your mind and that, that, take that's it completely. Off. That's that's it completely. Once you do that, mm-hmm. it all comes clear. Yes. And, and I, I have not exaggerated one little bit in the story. I've not. Everything's true. Everything's one hundred percent true with no exaggeration. I believe it. Thank you, Dave, so so much for spending this time. It has been fantastic, and I hope you come back and tell tell us more of what's been happening on your property because this is incredible, especially with what you were talking about that pipeline that might be going through there. Right. I'd love to. I'd love to. All right, thank you so much, and have a great day, okay? Thanks, and I really enjoyed it. No, my pleasure. Take care. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. I have to finish up here. I'm going to go look. I'm telling you.
this has been something that to me is you know some, some people could go out there and say oh that's far-fetched and it's like just because it's far-fetched doesn't mean it's not true a lot of the most interesting original discoveries that man has ever made when they first come out people exactly they do that because we have this built-in filter that wants to keep our world the way it is we don't want our paradigm to go so we kind of resist whenever we get any information or proof that this like you know like when the world wasn't flat it was round <laughs> that kind of deal like we resist it you know uh we as human beings our nature is that we're resistant to change despite saying that we're really in for it subconsciously we resist change especially something on those levels um where we're talking what's the word i'm looking for basically a shift in how we perceive the physical world and the spiritual or other dimensions how they mesh or how close they are or how some places like he said the veil is thinner there and and that's what i meant when i said when you go to some of these places around the world you don't have access to them because by the time you get there as in modern times you've got a church or a building or a temple or some huge monument that's sitting over it because long before then you've had people the people before recognized what was special about it and kept building something on it so access to it like what he has now to be able to look at these petroglyphs is forget it's non-existent uh so and the thing about elemental spirits and something like the water oh wow and i do believe it i do believe things like that um and i i think that that there are places where that is more apparent like i said where it's thinner like usually there is some type of difference but i've seen uh you know when he was saying that comment about that they were using dynamite to build the basement i've run across a lot of cases where people have had instances of negative attention from elementals because of wells being dug and things like that without basically saying hey it's going to be okay you know it's almost and i know a lot of people have a problem with that they kind of feel stupid that you're saying to something you can't see <laughs> and saying hey it's going to be okay i'm thank you or i'm you know or i'm going to do it um they they kind of feel stupid but i've seen plenty as a matter of fact of instances where people have had things happen on their land and when you trace it back it has to do with something uh done having to do with elemental spirits and elemental spirits are kind of weird let me tell you you know they're on they're doing their own thing in a way you know their 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 existence is like all that stuff is so interesting guys yeah, and that is part of the paranormal, the supernatural. Um, and when he says that, you know, that there's faces, that's, that's, wow. You know, and, and I mean, we even have, you know, you have people 
uh, that have said, you know, certain places they'll have the faces of the people that passed on coming out. Uh, besides EVPs, you know, people that use, uh, you know, the screens on the TVs and they, they've captured also the face of those that have passed on. I mean, there's a lot of theories floating around out there about that. But this, what he's describing is way out there. We're talking here prehistory uh, petroglyphs and possible uh, ancient alien influence. It's like, holy crap. <laughs> okay, it's a lot. My, my head right now is at saturation point going, Ooh. but anyway, guys, thank you so much for viewing this show and listening to it. If you're catching the podcast again, you know, I'm on YouTube. Uh, we can catch the podcast version of the show on iTunes, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, a bunch of places. Uh, you can even go to my website and you can download the MP3 file if you would like to do that. Plus, I have also links to the actual YouTube show. And uh, you can catch me when I go live on Twitter, via Periscope, and on Facebook. And, of course, again, shout out to my true believers. Please send me your stories, Marlene at Miami ghostchronicles.com with your encounters, your experiences or what you've heard second or third hand I want to hear from you and uh, listen to all those groovy stories you all got because I know there's plenty of them there, God knows I I run to people all the time and they start telling me these stories and it's like it's so I know there's plenty of them out there and what I like is where people, I mean it's not that certain people in certain places have these stories about places or areas where they live at that the only people that know that story are the people that live there. Like he told me that thing about Cactus Hill. I never heard of Cactus Hill. Never heard about it. About that they had a settlement from what? Never heard of it. But see the people that live there in those areas. So that's why I'm hoping I'm reaching out that people are going to come. And whoever hears on my voice, even if you're in not in the United States, you are going to contact me with uh, some story. Okay, and again, I want to thank you so, so much for being part of my audience, and I hope you like the video, subscribe to my channel, whichever way you find it, and I look forward to bringing the next show to you, so take care, guys.